0: This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you by the world of Nico Rudolph. Visit my website at NicoRudolph.com.
1: Attention, citizens! It's time for Super Pulp Science! Hello, this is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre is made. Today, we're going to take a special deep dive into the world of Nico Rudolph, who is our very special guest today. Say hello, Nico. Hello, how's it going? And we also have our long-suffering co-host, Justin Curry, uh, or Chasing Artwork, if you prefer, uh, here with us today. Hi. Nico, thanks for coming on Super Pulp Science. Thank you very much for having me. I want to ask you something right now, right off the top. Whew. okay what was being homeschooled like uh you were it, homeschooled yeah it sucked what? it sucked you it can't terrible.
0: tell
2: you turned out so normal
0: uh <laughs> you wouldn't uh you wouldn't be saying that if you knew me when i was 18 19 no it was terrible really yeah but i mean the thing
1: how much time should we spend on this <laughs> we're just gonna let the conversation take its natural course okay
0: um so i mean i guess a disclaimer is that uh, usually in homeschooling situations, your parents act as teachers and homeschool you. Yes. And I think that would have resulted in maybe a better experience. Right. Uh, But that is not at all what happened. In my situation, what happened was basically I was just like left to my own devices uh, as a teenager and just a stack of books that I had to kind of like do tests on and work on and stuff, but there wasn't really any guidance. Uh, so it was, (laughs) it
1: was more of a home library than it was. Yeah. It
0: was more of a home library. Um, I mean, there's, there's things that I'm thankful for. Like, I don't know if I would be as much of a cinephile as I turned out to be because left, you know, to, uh, left my room where I was supposed to be doing schoolwork and I would just like literally watch movies sometimes all day instead of doing schoolwork. Like that was kind of cool. So (laughs)
1: movies were your teachers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. In a way, in a way.
1: We have, we all have a favorite teacher. Do you have a favorite movie that was a favorite teacher?
0: Uh, I would have to say Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark is
1: your favorite teacher. I was was
2: also thinking the other day how it's kind of changed. Like back in the day, like you had VHS tapes, right? Oh, yeah. 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 So you would, you you only had had your library of VHS tapes. Now it's, that's not the case anymore. You can, there's always new things to watch. Yeah. But back then, you only had like you know
1: forty to sixty you
2: know however many tapes you had oh, that had was your library. That. I right. had more. Yeah, than but that. like today,
1: if you yeah. want a movie that's like Raiders of the Lost Ark, the algorithm yeah. finds you ten. Right. Whereas yeah. Yeah. you could only watch Raiders again yeah. if you wanted to feel that way. Yeah,
0: I'd always been uh, like I'd always like ever since I was a kid like I was raised on a pretty steady diet of like Tim Burton movies and Ghostbusters um, and like I enjoyed those movies. Uh, rewatched them in my teenage years enjoyed them but it wasn't really until watching like discovering like indiana jones like the first indiana jones movie that i really like appreciated like kind of like appreciated all the like all the parts that made up this movie like i'd never really like actually thought about like set design or writing or editing or music or her out her out like any of these things kind of like how old would you have been when
1: this 15 you're 15
0: It was like it was a very formative experience watching that movie for the first time and kind of understanding all of these pieces that go into creating a piece of of
1: pop culture. Um, Is there a favorite moment in the film? Like one that if it had to be caught on a loop in your head that that you would feel stronger? Like Desert
2: desert Island movie, but only like a 15 second clip.
1: Yeah, no, more like, uh, you know, the government has taken your brain out, <laughs> put it in a jar, you have to and they've accidentally tripped a memory that repeats in oh, your okay, head, so it wasn't done but it won't drive you okay. mad. It'll <laughs> make you stronger. Let's uh, imagine that world. Okay, okay. Uh, what is the clip from Raiders?
2: Inspector Gadget intro. Oh, boy.
1: Boom, <laughs> um, boom,
0: I would have to say after they've, Found, oh, like, there's, there's a series of moments. Uh, one of my favorite moments in the movie is when he is chasing the truck with the Ark on it Oh. on horseback.
1: On horseback.
0: And then, like, kind of, there's, like, a change in the music where it's very sort of triumphant and heroic right before that. And then when he starts chasing it, kind of, like, uh, it kind of takes, like, this, like, yeah. it, it just, like, shifts to suspense, and he starts chasing it. And I just remember... Like, as a 15-year-old boy, just be like, this is incredible.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Get back to Cairo. Get us some transport to England. Boat, plane, anything. Meet me at Omar's. Be ready for me. I'm going after that truck. Oh, I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. (laughs) I can remember that scene as a young person too because the moment is, oh, they're getting away and there's yeah. no car for me to drive. Yeah. Oh, look, a horse. Yeah. Which the rest of us would be under the assumption that that's not going to work. I should probably give up. But he yeah. just jumps on the <laughs> horse and goes for <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. That was pretty formative for me too.
0: I, I loved, I just like, I loved how, uh, like the 80s, uh, no, I shouldn't say all of the 80s action heroes, but like John McClane shares this too from Die Hard. They are very, um, like they're very human characters because of like how much they uh get like the hell beaten out of them. Because they suffer. Mm. They suffer. Yeah. And I just I love that. Like I love like one of my favorite parts about like the character of Indiana Jones is how dirty of a fighter he is. Like this isn't about honor for him. This oh, yeah. isn't about like it is yeah. it is pure survival. Especially in that first movie. Like he he is not you know, like, shooting the swordsman. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, throwing sand in the swordsman of the... swordsman
1: was also uh, Harrison Ford yeah, like saving his own life. Yeah. Right? Because he had he been really working... He was sick. sick, sick. Yeah, 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 he had yeah, like Dysentery sick. or something. He's like, I can't yeah. do the fight scene, so could I just shoot him? And yeah. it's become the most iconic yeah. sequence, right? Yeah, like, there was just... There was
0: so much... There was so much in that movie to enjoy, and that was just... I think it just came along at the right time in my life as a teenager just sort of wanting to, like, discover and, and soak in more yeah just like more pop culture and everything and it just like it hit all the right notes for me
1: so you were doing as a teenager what most of us wish we were doing we were at school wishing (laughs) we could be at home watching movies and you were at home watching movies wishing maybe you could be at school that i could just have a
0: normal (laughs) be a normal have a normal teenage life in high school yeah huh yeah
1: okay so indiana jones taught you that you should uh take the moments as they come and that it's okay if it switches from uh triumphant swells to horror movie beats sure right yes yeah tell us about that uh trajectory for you as a new graphic novelist okay um it is it has been interesting why don't you tell us the story of how you started the book in question okay do you want to talk about your last book or your new book uh we could
0: talk about the new book i feel (laughs) like i've talked so much about the old book
1: okay well you so, know what
0: i'll what you know what it it, it they, they kind of play off each other so i will i will talk about the old book too for
1: our dear listeners yeah why don't you introduce both projects
0: okay so uh last spring i uh i had the privilege of doing the artwork for my sort of first ever book when big bears invade which was written by a gentleman named alexander Finbo, and it was published through renegade arts entertainment and so it was um it was a story he had written and it was basically uh, Canada's answer to the story of Godzilla. That's kind of what I tell people. So it, uh, it's written in prose and uh, it basically details the story of like these giant Godzilla sized bears destroying or resetting Canada. And I got to do all of these like giant panoramic shots of these massive, you know, skyscraper sized bears just laying waste to all these different Canadian cities. Uh, and it, it was a lot of fun to do, and it was uh, the biggest project I had done up until that point. Did you take
1: any particular joy in the destruction of any particular city? <sighs> um, <laughs> they like, they, oh, Not really. They were
0: all a lot of fun to destroy. <laughs> they were a lot of fun to destroy. There, I was,
1: mean, there was no specific catharsis and no. like, oh, this city's had it coming for a long no, time. No,
0: not really. Um, I mean, Winnipeg was a lot of fun just because... Like all of the all of the shots in the book, um, like where I set the the camera in the the artwork is very far back, so you could see as much of the city as possible. And you know, one of the reasons for that was just to get the scale of these giant bears, and another reason was to have as many landmarks and Easter eggs from each of the individual cities kind of featured in the book. Um, so for that reason, Winnipeg is one of my favorite because it's I'm from here, so it was like the city that I knew the most, right. and so it was not hard to. Did you
2: like, take like? Sp- special extra care with Winnipeg um
0: no like Mm. I wouldn't say that I took extra like I tried to take as much care as possible with every city but Mm -hmm. I think with every other city like it came down to there was there was a moment in the figuring out the composition or figuring out what I wanted to include in in that uh in that spread of artwork where it was kind of like well like hope this is good enough. Like, I'm not from there, so I hope this is good. Whereas with Winnipeg, I had that little bit of extra confidence, you know, like, I'm from here. I, yeah. I, I know what this is supposed <laughs> to look like. Um, but I tried to put the same amount of care into every one of the pages. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a very, very um, eye-opening experience, because like I said, I'd never done anything of that size before. Um, I've always wanted to kind of do comics and, and like sequential artwork, but it's kind of just... It's always been very, very intimidating and very daunting.
1: Um, Is that where, is that daunting feeling where Hell's Ark went? Uh, A little bit, but uh, no. Because, dear listeners, Nico (laughs) has played with my emotions low these many years (laughs) because he (laughs) announced the work of a really amazing-sounding, really interesting, (laughs) historical, um, noir graphic novel called Hell's Ark about the Halifax explosion. Uh, and no, this.
0: no, it wasn't about the explosion. No. Um, I did, I did have this idea for a book and I, I still think there's a way to do it, but it was just, it was so, it was so close to the beginning of me, like thinking about trying to put, uh, like trying to write, write stories or whatever. And just like what I had written down, like I didn't take the time to edit or to even think about like how. Uh, sustainable of an idea was over like a hundred page comic. And so I had done all of this work to like, like I spent so much time designing, uh, like just kind of like doing characters and like
1: writing different scenes. You also announced the book too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I kind of thought that that would help me like get my, get my act into gear and it didn't really work. Yeah. I announced it. I had like the cover figured out. I had, I had all this like promo artwork and stuff and I just, I didn't actually have the book written. And so I had done all this work Like I said, um, I spent so much time actually recreating because it uh, it was set in like pre-World War II Halifax. And uh, so part of why I wanted to do this book was because I just like I love uh, I love I've just
1: always been like weirdly fascinated with the city of Halifax. And And the explosion that was you were pointing this out, Justin, the largest biggest pre-nuclear explosion. Yeah.
2: Like, before nukes, that was the biggest explosion the world had ever experienced. Yeah, happened
1: yeah. in Halifax. And yeah. all the the bodies
2: were brought to the exact same place that the Titanic corpses were brought. Yeah. It's like That's a super haunted, now restaurant. Five Fishermen, yeah. And I that restaurant.
1: You ate Yeah. Oh, you ate at. I thought you said you hated uh, no, that no, no, restaurant. No, no, I, I ate, ate at that restaurant. You're yeah. It was amazing. And I did an illustration of that restaurant filled with ghosts for Canada's History magazine. Very cool. That's a funny... And I didn't realize the connection to the Halifax Halifax explosion, but uh, I did know the Titanic stuff. So the, okay, yeah, we're on a learning yeah, journey
0: here. Yeah, that like ever since I think it all started with being a kid and watching like that Heritage minute with the Halifax explosion, and I just something about I mean obviously like uh, like you can't watch that that heritage minute as a kid and be like, well, that's boring. I don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it, like, it's nail bitingly terrifying. And you're like, what, what happened? And just, just the name of the city, like just Halifax just, there's something about that combination of words that or like of letters that I don't know why, but it just, it's always resonated with just me. And then
2: quickly for people yeah. who don't know the Halifax explosion was a boat full of dynamite, right? Dynamite and world yeah. war and like basically Munitions. war yeah, munition yeah. supplies. Yeah. Ran into another boat at like, 10 miles per hour like they just kind of dinged each other Yeah, and a chain of events went off and basically all this dynamite and, and munitions and everything exploded all at once and killed a horrendous amount of people like
0: over yeah over a thousand like it basically like destroyed the entire city within I don't even remember like I don't remember the stats but it is like read up on a Halifax explosion it is it is fascinating it's nuts. And, uh, and just like that city that
1: like also because imagine being a person that has never that in the human experience up yeah. to that time you would not be able to say you know like oh my god that was a lightning strike or oh yeah. it's a forest fire it'd yeah. be like what just happened like did the yeah. world end is yeah. that what's happening <laughs> right now
0: yeah yeah um yeah it's just it's always fascinated me and then uh, my wife and i we actually took a trip out to halifax like i'd never even been to halifax until i guess i was like 26 or 27 and i just like everything like everything I had built up in my head about like how like Halifax is probably really awesome and yeah. like a really cool place. Like I, I was reaffirmed. I was like, this place is incredible. Like it just has such uh, a visible history to it. And then yeah, like the explosion, um But no book. You're not gonna do the book. No, I'm gonna do the book, but it's it's just like I just have
2: to step back and kind of like rewrite it. Explode it, boys. You gotta get out of here. Full of explosives. So Greg and I both have this list of books that we um Yeah, mine's over there. Uh behind both of us, both Greg and I have this list of uh, books we have at various stages, like yeah. either a full outline and script or just like some story beats or a okay. book we want to make. Yeah. What's that list look like for you? Because I know you've talked about doing a, like there's a couple books. Oh, brewing. there's,
0: there's like, there's around 10. Yeah. Like there's, there's quite a few. And uh, yeah, like the biggest, <laughs> the biggest stumbling, uh, like the biggest sort of roadblock is just like doing the first one. And, uh, but now you I mean, got I that, it's one. out of
2: the way. Don't I've you immediately it. want to make another book as soon as that was done?
0: I do. The, uh, the only thing that's different, I guess, is there's a, like the thing that I'm noticing now with working on my, my, and it's my second book, but it's kind of sort of my first book. Cause I'm doing, I'm writing it as well.
1: Right. And tell us about it. What's it called? So What's it's called it Bears up? Invade. Right.
0: Um, and so <laughs> some people might be like, what What are you... Like, when big bears invade, bears invade. Like, get a different tof- topic, dude. Um, but Invaded basically all bears. of this... There's
1: more than one Indiana Jones movie. It's <laughs> exactly. okay.
0: And there's Tomb Raider. Yeah. And there's... Yeah. yeah. Um, sort of the uh, the bears all started with, like, this this print series I was doing. And so one of them was the Royal Canadian Bear Forest. And it's, it's drawn to look like this retro... World War Two propaganda poster for the you know Royal Canadian Air Force, but there's a bear on it, so like I couldn't I can't resist a good pun, so I did that and I did a few other prints and those prints sort of caught the attention of Alexander Finbo, who's a publisher. He runs Renegade, and so he he sort of talked to me about doing a book, and I was like, sure, yeah, that would be great. Like I I have an idea for a story I've been working on. He's like, great, so let's do it, and. Like, (laughs) I I guess it's like, I almost wasn't ready for that. Like for someone to just be like, okay, cool. So you're going to write it and draw it then. And we're going to publish it. And I'm like, yeah, for sure. And then I was like, wait a minute. What is this book even about? Right. Like, sure. Yeah. It's about bears uh,
1: invading Canada, but like, what is the story? And um, recognize the opportunity there that many of our dear listeners who have hoped beyond hope that some publisher will give them the time of day. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you oh you're yeah. like hey I have this idea oh, yeah. and uh
0: yeah it was no it uh I've always considered myself like very like very lucky for that and it was actually that happened the first convention that I did after I quit my day job so that it was, was at it was in Calgary incredible. right
2: That was in Calgary yeah, yeah. so again yeah. it goes back to like we talk about how so many of the big opportunities that have landed our way have come from going to a convention. Yeah. And even like some horrible conventions turn into, l- the, greatest turn into the greatest opportunities.
1: As long as you're open to that idea, yeah, right?
0: Yeah, it was... Um, I'm really, really thankful that I quit... Um, sorry, not that I quit my job when I did, but I am thankful for that. I am so thankful <laughs> that uh, the Calgary, uh, Calgary Expo show in t- at the beginning of 2016... That was kind of like when I quit my job and then that show and the Regina show were like the first shows that I did out of the gate that, you know, I went out on the road, with all my new artwork, um, to find, you know, find people, find an audience, whatever. And, uh, and I'm just like, I'm so thankful that they went as well as they did because there have been ups and downs since then. Right. But I'm
1: like, it would have been really hard to keep going if those two shows were, well, tell us about bust. that. What's the hard parts? What have been the parts lately that have made you say, "Uh oh"? Um,
0: the hard parts are just kind of the the ups and downs, like um, uh, of you know, sort of you know, if you're if you're creating, if you're like making your own art or you're writing or whatever. It's I guess like a down day is when it's like you don't have any shows coming up, you don't really have any foreseeable like immediate way that you're going to be making money in the next little while, and you have to trust that whatever you're working on right now is going to result. And it's going to be noticed. It's going to be appreciated. It's going to um, sort of be well received when you do get to. I, I agree
2: with it. that. If I don't have an event or a show like on yeah. the horizon, yeah. it's hard to get motivated to get a bunch of stuff done. But as soon as you know, in a month's time, even a couple of hundred people are going to be looking
1: at your new stuff. Like yeah. That gets you yeah. going. Okay. Well, let me ask you a question, Justin. How do yeah. you keep faith in your own labor? Right. You know, people are used to and we've been programmed to accept that how a job is described is yeah. that every hour your labor is worth X. Yeah. yeah. Right? Whereas in our position, that's not no. in fact no. the case. Right? No. You labor and you have to have faith in that labor. Yes. How do you keep faith? Um, through through
2: experience, I've seen how pieces that took an hour have have made a good chunk of my income. And I've seen how... Twenty, thirty-plus hour pieces have just absolutely bombed, <laughs> and I've just come to terms with that. You cannot yeah. predict what people are gonna like yeah, about you your can't stuff, what people and what know. they're gonna want. All you can do is just keep going, keep yeah. working. You really, you really have to
0: learn to love the process. Like that's kind of um, that's the only reason I've I've even made that I've actually like been able to continue working on. Graphic novel that I'm doing now is just, like, I've really learned to love the writing process and the editing process, because if I didn't love it, like, there's no... I've never written before. I mean, you know, I wrote a lot when I was younger, but, like, I'm not known now for making money off of writing. I don't have a bunch of books I bring to a show where people are like, wow, you wrote this one, too. We love your writing. Like, there's no indication that it's going to make a dent. Um, So loving, just learning to love the process of it is... um, uh, yeah, it's it's instrumental. Like it's vital to but you have a power that other writers book. don't
1: have. You have the illustrations to go with it. So if you don't yes. have the right words, you can put the picture in there.
0: That is true. That is true. But I I think about like I'm a very picky consumer and a very picky reader. And uh, like there's very few books that I pick up that like sort of resonate with me. And I think I feel like I kind of assume that everybody else is the same way. Oh, and that's so, fascinating. And so for me, like that might be one of the reasons why I haven't done more because I'm just like, like to me, the, the, the idea, and I I believe in this idea that, you know, done is better than perfect, but I'm like, yeah. But I, it's kind of a constant war within myself. Because I'm like, is well, it though? Like I'll how many books have I read? I where- just
1: had an epiphany, dear listeners. Uh, because I've had a complicated relationship with watching Nico work for years. Wondering why he doesn't <laughs> put out more stuff. But we're operating from the same place, you and I. That we're making books for ourselves. Yeah. I... Buy tons of books, and yeah. I give everything a shot. So I just assume people like me will yeah. give it a shot and forgive <laughs> its <laughs> failings. But if you're a very I'm, selective consumer and you're making yeah. books for you, yeah, you have to be more careful.
0: Yeah, and it's oh. like I don't. I could just like, I don't know, have to
2: like. It's it's weird. Like I could just shut up and make the book. <laughs> I think it right? needs to like be a little more that confidence too. Just yeah. realize like your ideas and your skill set are much better than you give them credit for.
0: Well, I think, and so even yeah. though you
2: yeah, like your standards
0: There's there's been there's been no shortage of people to <laughs> like not to say that it's invalid, but I'm just like absolutely I think I think that's something that a lot of artists struggle with is like to have that confidence. Um, that constant self doubt. Yeah, Do you know? yeah like that perfectly that perfectly balanced cocktail of self-doubt to humble you but confidence to keep you sort of like going and to keep, and to like, it takes a level of confidence to think that you like to have the audacity to think that you can make a dent.
1: I feel pretty good (laughs) and I'm not not scared at all. I just feel kind of,
2: feel kind of invincible. (laughs)
1: Me too. In the interest of full disclosure, yes. Uh, in preparation for this podcast, I was creeping your social media okay. a little bit yesterday yep. and I saw you respond yes. to someone else's post. So I'm going to yes. read. Do you prepare
2: for podcasts? Uh, norm- normally <laughs> should I, I be don't. preparing for podcasts? Uh, <laughs> no. He just said he does it. Okay. The
1: magic of you, Justin, is that you're always ready. Okay. Right? But the rest of us, sometimes <laughs> Thanks, we <Greg>. should prepare. <laughs> right? So I'm going to read you this quote here. It's from David Kane. It's, it seems to be an excerpt from a book that someone else found. I've not fulfilled it. My- Familiar with this book myself. Procrastination is not laziness, is the book. And the quote goes like this It turns out procrastination is not typically a function of laziness, apathy, or work ethic, as it is often regarded to be. It's a neurotic self defense behavior that develops to protect a person's sense of self worth. You see, procrastinators tend to be people who have, for whatever reason, developed. Um, to perceive an unusually strong association between their performance and their value as a person. This makes failure or criticism disproportionately painful. (laughs) And you responded quite emphatically in agreement to this notion. Yes. Yeah, like that is a very...
0: And once again, I think that's probably something that a lot of artists might struggle with. You know, there's that... Especially depending on the work you're doing, like if you're if the work that you're doing is like very personal to you, um, there's an upside and a downside to that. And the upside is like the um, the unparalleled feeling of putting something out there that's that's from you and having people respond to it and react to
1: it positively. That's the dent you were talking about earlier, right? How do yeah. you make that dent? Yeah,
0: and if you can do it, like like there's no other feeling like it. Like I feel like that is. Um, Yeah. It's just, it's just incredible. Like it's, it's like you, (laughs) it's like how, like I'm, I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan. The guy's pushing 70 and he'll go like, he'll do four hour concerts where he's just on the stage for four hours. And he, he's like on a high, like he talks about it. Like if you ever, you know, see interviews with him, hear interviews with him, he talks about like what a high it is to perform for people and to, for them to be giving back to you. And, uh, like, I swear, I feel that. When it when it goes well,
1: <laughs> in what context do you feel that like uh, at shows? I'm, I or guess at... I'm talking about
0: like yeah, specifically about like having sort of like uh, exhibiting at a convention or an art show or something like that where people are sort of like noticing your work and they're laughing and they're asking you questions and you can just kind of see the impact that your work is having on them. So and there's like a... that
1: notion, right? There's a long-standing notion in the art world that the viewer completes the art, right? That the oh, real life yeah. cycle oh, God. is Absolutely. presentation.
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean. I do what I do because I believe in it, and it is to entertain myself. But like I don't, but like that that that's never the end of it for me. Like I need to, like you said, complete the circle by exhibiting and showing it and sharing it.
1: Um, Okay, if that's true, knowing what I know about you, though, yeah, right, yeah. How many shows did you do last year, Justin? Thirty-three. How many shows did you do?
0: (laughs) Not thirty-three.
1: Right, but you just self-identified that the best part for you, yeah. Is that presentation? So why not chase it more often? It is. It's um, a more complicated piece than just like oh, do more shows. Obviously. Oh
0: yeah. Um, for me, I'm sort of struggling to to kind of find um, the time to like create new work. For like for me, it's kind of like a matter of like productivity, um, having the time to create new work to share with people, and the number of shows that I do. And like, there's people that have figured out that balance way more. Uh, There's people that have kind of figured out how to be more productive all the time so that if they're home from a show for a week, like, they make that week count and they get a lot done. And for me, I I have a bit of a tough time starting and stopping, uh, especially starting. Like, if I come home from, like, a show, I I don't think I've ever come home from a show and, like, the next day I'm back at work. Like, it takes me... Yeah. Yeah, it takes me a little while to get back into it, to get back into the swing of things. That next
2: day, I usually, like take a day and put around the house and do laundry. Oh, and I do, do lots of puttering. And, yeah, like See, that next day is... this past year,
1: I've learned to appreciate that I know that the day after a show, Justin won't show up at the studio. Yes. <laughs> so I can show up at the studio. I usually make sure that the day after a show, yeah. I come in and do writing because the studio is perfectly quiet. Yeah. And I'm a little jazzed and I have been unable to put any of those thoughts together. Right. Because we've spent thirty or forty hours. I need that day somewhere.
2: to like collect all those thoughts. Like I, I during a show I'm always making notes and thumbnails of new yeah. things yeah. and I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that. Yeah. And I need that day to kind of like sort out my mess and collect those thoughts. And then also taking that day of not working, I'm so much more fired up the next day. Oh, mm-hmm. and I've seen that too. Yeah. So I yeah. know
1: that when Justin arrives at the studio <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's gonna well be resting. setting a pace too. Yeah. And so oh, okay. for me you know, I think I come in early, yeah. right? I get a bunch of like writing work because like there's the balance between the writing and the art part yeah. for how yeah. I need to work yeah. uh, so that I can be at the pace Right. it comes in. That's the other thing. Having people, around, having people around you who are working really hard is great. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there's, there's, yeah, that, those have been some of my favorite. Uh, like I work from home right now, so I don't really have that experience. Um, What's a productive day look like for you? Tell us
2: from morning till night.
0: Productive day. Um, it be a,
2: uh, just sorry, but that should be a standard question of like all our guests. What's an average day? It's it perfect. A, reductive... You heard it here first, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. <laughs> the new standard
1: question of the podcast. There's Describe so many different most productive days. There's
0: so many different ways to measure productivity, right? And I mean, right now I'm having a really tough time with like I've like the whole writing experience, like the the book I'm working on now. It's like writing and editing, and it. it's like I have no measure for how long that's supposed to take. Right. I know that once it's written. Um, I've read that an industry standard is like you should be able to do a page to create, from pencils to inks, a page of artwork a day. Page a day, yeah. Um, which I can do. Yeah. I do that, but
1: that standard is is uh, And it's also subjective, because, like that's um, if you balance the average. Now these are in averages, right? So mm-hmm. this, this can be wildly inaccurate to some people's experience, but in average, that page a day allows you to make a living wage. Right. Yeah. Right? And so it has less yeah. to do with what you should do or what makes the best book and yeah. more to do that, if you're hoping to make a living wage, yeah. you must at least be able to do yeah. a complete page a day.
0: Yeah, it's a good, I think that's like a pretty good, like you said, like it's not that you have to be able to do that, but it's yeah. like, if you wanna make money doing this, if you yeah. wanna, if you love it so much that you wanna make a career doing this, you have to be able to produce.
1: The Empress coming here? That is correct, Commander. And he is most displeased with
2: your apparent lack of progress. We shall double our efforts.
1: Have you set a deadline for the new book?
0: Uh, no, no. Like I have an idea in my head, but it's like, uh, it's just it's so it's so hard to tell when you just haven't done it before when you're experimenting with like writing and editing and just all the stuff.
1: Um, do you have any advice, Justin? Set well,
2: my trick, is usually when I start a book, I, I'm kind of spinning the tires yeah. a little bit until I set that print deadline with, yeah. with freezans. Yeah. Um, that's when everything kind of gets lined up to, uh, like that's when right. the real work begins. Usually. Right. I set that print deadline six, nine months in advance. Oh, okay. And now I yeah. have that finish line. Yeah. And a lot of times like, I'll work towards that and realize I need another month. And as long as you're not telling Friesen that like 24 hours before your deadline. Right. That's right. fine. Yeah. But I needed that finish line. Yeah. To get done.
0: I'm finding, uh, like a very interesting, like I'm, <laughs> I've had like a series of epiphanies from just kind of doing like, I, like I learn a lot through trial and error. So like I've spent a month and a half, like, I've kind of been working on it non-stop since the beginning of January, just writing. You know, I've written the entire book, and now I'm going back and focusing on specific scenes, specific chapters.
1: Are you doing it as, like, writing it as a script, or is it a prose piece? Uh, was... No,
0: it's it's going to be... We, uh, Alexander and I talked about that a little bit, because originally I wanted it to just be sort of an illustrated storybook. Right. And we, you know, the more we thought about it, the more I sort of tried to actually draw that out and realize what it would look like. I'm like, this should just be a comic. This just be like a...
1: Alexander's a very intuitive editor, too. He, yeah. He, yeah. Uh, yeah it he's suggesting definitely aligned with the strengths of the people he with. It works has been with, great
0: yeah. working with him. Like, I know he's a very busy man, but uh, but the amount of sort of feedback he can give me without stepping on my toes is kind of like a perfect amount of input that I need. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's so much about the process that I'm learning from doing. And so there's something that I think thought was working for two, you know, say a week or two weeks. And, and then by the end of it, I'm like, well, how come this isn't working for me? Yeah. And I'm like, but wait a minute. but
1: Can you give us an example, a specific example there?
0: Um, sure, yeah. Um, I will try not to ramble too much when I do this. Uh, but this is a very specific example. And I kind of finally hit this epiphany a few days ago. Um, so I'm a big believer, like with all my writing and stuff and with comics in general, like the, I don't know what you want to call it, but like the two page, you open a book up, you have two pages.
1: Right. And two like spread. Yeah, the two page yeah.
0: spread. So if those two pages can be a scene, or if those two pages can end on a cliffhanger that make you want to turn the page, like that is that is where you want to be.
1: Yeah. Um always have your reveal on the yeah. first panel of the next page. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so sort of treating treating that two page like it's so weird to write something and to like not have any rules. Yeah. Like it's great, but on the same have you ever end. made a
1: little dummy book? Like what I sometimes do when I'm stuck. Yeah. Uh, I'll make a little like two inch by two inch paper version of the yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. And so, then I'll have my thumbnails fit into that. Yeah. I'll write the thumbnails in it. Just so I can feel those page turns. Right. And be like, yeah. okay, this is what I'm missing. I don't have a page turn here or a reveal here or a
0: it kind of started like it kind of started like that. And then I realized as I was trying to do that, I'm like, wait, I don't even know what happens here in the scene. I need to write the scene. And so I would go back and write a script. Right. And then I would try and put that script back on the two-page spread. I'm like, well, this doesn't fit. Right. And so then what it would do is it would force me to go, like, well, why doesn't it fit? Is, are all these beats that I'm hitting crucial? Yeah. Can I take this panel out? Can I, can I turn these two moments into one moment? And, uh, and sort of realizing that, realizing that, like, setting things up for two pages is instrumental uh, to, like, the editing process for yeah. me. I think, for me, uh, anyway. Like Chad, it's
1: Chadwick Kinsler, you know Chadwick, yeah, right? Yeah. He's an author here in yeah. Winnipeg. He said to me once, uh, I don't know if he was paraphrasing from someone else, that good writing is knowing what to take out.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. like that's kind of what I'm. Well, and like I said, I've no, I don't know if it's good yet. Like yeah. people will have to tell me when the book is out. But that's kind of the stuff that I find is working is like what doesn't need to stay in there, you know. Um, but like the only way that I got to that because I thought I had a fully functioning script. And it may have worked as a novel or as a movie, but it does not work as a comic. And the only way to figure out that it's working or not working is to, like, start making a comic out of it. And, like I said, to start collapsing panels into, you know, like, two moments into one moment. Or, like, wait, these two, there's two exchanges of dialogue between these two characters. And, like, do they,
1: does that need to be two exchanges? Can it be one exchange? Um, I'll share with you a really obvious epiphany I had one time, you know. Seven hundred pages of comics ago, uh, that single panel shots of characters talking, yeah, can immediately be compressed into a two-shot of the characters talking to each other. Oh yeah! And I remember thinking, like, oh my goodness, like every yeah. like other professional comic book writer knows this trick, yeah, and has just been using it so intuitively that no one ever thought in giving advice to me to mention it because it's so obvious. <laughs> and then I suddenly realized that I had done these hundreds of pages without this most right. obvious way to compress story in a way that isn't taking yeah. away from the viewer. Yeah. Right? It just. Yeah. Whoop, yeah. 50% absolutely. Less space.
0: Well, and it's interesting too, like the like compressing. Like that's not. I mean, there's artists who do the opposite of that, where it's like their stories breathe. And, yeah. And that's great. Um, but I don't want to spend ten years writing this book. Right. Like, like if what is, I, do you have a
1: deadline? Have you given yourself a deadline? Like, or has Alex I really? Given you a deadline?
0: I would really like. He, he kind of just keeps saying like, "So, like, how old do you want to be when this book comes out?" <laughs> <laughs> um, I really want to have it. Like I mentioned earlier, like I have like so many ideas banked that I want to work on. That honestly, I had in my mind before the possibility of this book even came along. That I'm like, okay, hey, I want to get to those." So I really just want to. I really want to get this one done
2: it's a stepping stone yeah like, like I'm, I'm, i want
0: to learn everything i can with this book like i'm enjoying the process but but this isn't it for me like this is there's so much more that i want to do um so i just so so if anything that's kind of like inspiration motivation to get this one done because this isn't the this isn't like the be all end all that i want to be working on for my whole life i want to get this done. bring this
2: back to another point we were talking about and just got me thinking yeah. about um like making that ripple or making what did you put it the as? Dent like making the dent, right? Yeah. I often think about that, like sometimes making books and art, um, like that legacy. Like yeah. once once I'm all done, what am I gonna be remembered for? And one of my fears, one of like my big fears, is only being remembered for one thing. Like one book or yeah. one project. And I like I I the wanna William be like Shatner a Doctor Seuss <laughs> or a Bernstein, right? Like yeah. I want to have a series a yeah. bunch of things that I'm known for I don't want to have that yeah. one but could thing. that simply
1: be that the surface tension of consumers can only bear up the weight of one single idea
0: I like that pun Right? was that supposed to be a pun uh, for you, bear. you okay
1: <laughs> yeah they can only bear one thing nice um, but maybe that's it maybe where it can only ever be remembered for one thing so like one scandal yeah right then you're remembered for that forever You know, one bestseller, remembered forever, no matter how many other things you write. Um, You all have heard of the book Eat, Pray, Love? Yes. Right? Uh, Elizabeth Gilbert has written, I think, something like eight books since then, but Mm -hmm. you haven't heard of them, right? We can only bear, your. (laughs) there's only so much room for the uh, awareness that you have.
0: That's why I've, I mean, I, I kind of feel like I kind of wonder and think about the same thing, like there's so many other Stories that I think are just as strong. And
2: that's why I, yeah, like yeah. you, I'm so desperate to get to that next one and the one yeah. after that and the one yeah. after that. I want to, I don't yeah. want to just have all the, the eggs in that one basket. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm.
0: especially like, and that's the thing is like, some people would be like, uh, I would kill to be known for something. And it's like, de- definitely like, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not knocking that. Like there's like to be at a place where people are like, oh, you're the, like, I'll have people call me the bear guy. Right. Like at Comic Cons, like oh, it's I've the Bear Guy, it. and I've I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and part of me is like, yeah, like not the 3D or the dinosaurs or Phantom Richard or or yeah. like the film noir, like none of that stuff. And I'm just like, the fact that they even associate me so much with with one thing, with one thing, is like yeah. like humbling. It, it's do you honoring. feel that
1: that could trap you though?
0: Um Suddenly, Well, that's one of the reasons why. I mean, I I do fear that, and that's why I try to always have, you know. As, like And especially since uh, last spring when the when Big Bears, when that book came out, um, I had that new book, and that was kind of the only new thing that I had. My convention set up at, at Comic-Cons, you know, there's like retro propaganda posters. There's dinosaur
1: hunting posters. I do 3D
0: artwork. I have a lot of like film noir-inspired pieces. And, dear
1: listener, like legit 3D artwork. Like you put on glasses, yeah. and then you live in the composition. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. <laughs>
0: wild. Um, and so I always try... Like, I endeavor to have, like, new pieces in all of those different sort of themes or categories every year so that whatever people sort of know me for, there's something new for them. And I made the mistake last spring when the book came out because I was focusing so much on that one book about bears that there was a lot of people that were like, well, do you have any new... Like, yeah, we really love your dinosaur stuff. I'm like, yeah, I have a book about bears. And they're like, yeah, we don't really care about that. Where's the dinosaur stuff? <laughs> yeah. And so sort of that's that's kind of another.
1: Um, well, Justin and I were just at a show, and we were talking yeah. to somebody else about this. Um, when I started out, yeah. in the effort that I put into my setup at shows, be they lit cons or comic cons, mm-hmm. it was sort of 70% of my effort went into uh, making books. Right. And thirty percent of my effort went into uh, producing single, uh, sort of single beat illustrations. Yeah. you know they could yeah. be posters like they be whatever, or whatever yeah. covers or what yeah. have you. Um, and so I had the table reflect that. I had my right. space reflect that. Yeah. But to the consumer, mm-hmm. I've realized that the reverse in the table setup is much better, right. having seventy percent of my table be dedicated to the art. Yeah. And yeah. 30% of that table setup be dedicated to the book gives me the capacity to show more to the right. person who's walking past.
0: Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. Somebody walking
1: past a stack of books, like they don't know what it is that they're but it hurts, like, it takes, it hurts your heart a little bit. I can tell you as an individual, it hurts your heart when they're like, Oh wow. What a great artist you are. And you have to say like, yes, I also write books. Yeah. yeah. Here <laughs> they are over here on the corner of the table. Yeah. But what you're playing, Yeah. what you're, what you're, what I feel like I'm, just attempting to do yeah. is, you know, like, notice me, senpai, right? Like, yeah. as people are walking yeah. by, right? <laughs> yeah, Is there something that can catch their attention? The more individual pieces I have out, the more attention I get.
2: Playing catch. off that, one trick that um, we just kind of recently learned with the last Rust and Water and now Red and See Through and Snow Troll's Daughter yeah. is once the book was done, I printed my favorite scenes as 12 by okay. 18s and at a couple of things we strung up like a huge, almost like a print wall yeah. of just my favorite scenes. And that Very like cool. ended with the book and it was pretty noticeable. Okay. The amount of attention that suddenly yeah, this cool. there's this little book, yeah. but then there's all these scenes blown right. up behind it. Yeah. The new thing we've yeah.
1: talked about for Very like cool. selling books is yeah. to take your display, you know, like we see it, Comic-Cons, the yeah. print wall, right? Everyone's yeah. got the print wall. And yeah. people who are selling comics often are angry at the print sellers, right? Because it's like, oh, you take up all the space and you take up <laughs> all the attention. Yeah. But if you made a book with t- 22 pages or 48 yeah. pages, yeah. how come your backstand, now that I see the wisdom yeah, of it, isn't yeah. especially all with of those pages? Yeah. With with bears and
2: every single one of those is a perfect print.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's another interesting, too, that I'm thinking like when you kind of mentioned like you know the experience of people walking past and appreciate your art and you know and sort of like
1: I'm more than this one thing
0: and that's that's the one thing that I've yeah hiding
2: all that great art in that book that people can't see when they walk
0: well that's the that's the thing that's why I love and what I appreciate so much too about doing shows is that and this didn't really like occur to me until I guess 2016 like I've been doing shows for almost 10 years I think um be 8 years, I don't know. Anyway, um it never really occurred to me until I started like focusing on like my my own original artwork and pieces and stuff that like these are well, it occurred to me before that that these are all conversation starters. Yeah. Like every piece of art that you have up is a conversation starter. And so, you know, like the amount of interest I can gauge from people about you know i have some artwork up and people like just the conversations that start you know you have a bunch of artwork up about you know bears flying in like world war ii spitfires and how many military fanatics come over and talk to you because of that and like share stories about family members who like served in the air force or you know their bears pissed off at canadians you know for like squandering the environment so how many environmentalists come over and are just like yeah this is great like be better off if uh, if bears did do this and so it's kind of like you're able to share part of like you like it's it's a vessel sorry not a vessel it's um like it's a potential to kind of share what's inside your head and your values with the world and yeah like the artwork i mean artwork to kind of advertise and to start conversations with people and then to be able to kind of have books to back that up where it's like you know, you can only fit so much, like, philosophy or, or whatever into, like, a piece of artwork. But, like, you have so much so room in art, a book.
1: Yeah, the artwork's like the small talk, the chit-chat, yeah. the getting yeah, yeah. to know you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then you can have the real conversation. Absolutely, yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've been here with Nico Rudolph talking about how things get made. Uh, if you can bear it, you should definitely <laughs> look up When Big Bears Invade um, and keep an eye out for Nico on the uh, convention circuit. Do you have a... Uh, what is your next?
0: Um, I'm doing the Winkler show and then uh, yeah that's going to be a fun one I like that one and then uh, my first show, fingers crossed I get to do this one will be the the Calgary Expo in April.
1: Alright sweet so we hope to see you all there on the road we're inviting you to join the fight and make comics